Malik Wilson embodied everything that Texas Tech defense is about, and it looks like we're going to get to see one more year of it. How was his last year, and what will translate to the next? We'll break it down coming up on today's Locked on Texas Tech. Our Locked on Texas Tech, your daily podcast on the Texas Tech Red Raiders, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Texas Tech, a member of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. If you have not subscribed to the Locked On Texas Tech YouTube channel, be sure that you do that so you can see what hat I'm wearing and other things that are way more important. I'm Ryan Mainville. I cover Texas Tech for the Dallas Morning News. He's Emory Lida, a longtime analyst and Texas Tech podcaster. Today, we are talking about one of our favorite dudes from the roster last year. And I am just absolutely amped for this episode because Malik Wilson is quite the player, man. And I really don't feel like we dabbled into all that we could see from Malik Wilson yet. Um, and, and so this is just a really exciting episode for a variety of reasons. I mean, one, this is a guy that we both really like. It's a guy that we think um, could be even better on more minutes. And it's a guy that Texas Tech basketball posted a picture of practicing. As soon as I saw it, I texted it to Emery and I said, thank God, man. This is just the guy that I wanted to see because we were talking about him in the offseason. We said, hey, it would make sense if Malik Wilson wanted to go per- pursue uh, basketball opportunities elsewhere. You know, he's a guy that was kind of fighting at the bottom of the rotation, was essentially last in the Big 12 rotation. And man, uh, I mean, it's just a picture from the official handle, but to see him practicing doesn't feel like a mistake and it feels really really relieving knowing that he'll be likely in scarlet and black for another year yeah this is the first one of these previews where we feel somewhat confident that a player is going to be back at tech next year and this it feels great because not only is it Malik wilson who was in the rotation had at times a really important part in tech success but beyond that he's a guy that Really, I felt like got overlooked for a large portion of the season. And I think a second season at Tech and sort of getting to see his game continue to evolve is going to do a lot, not only for him personally and for the team, but also just for fans that I don't feel like recognize just how special he was, particularly on the defensive end. And I know that a lot of people may get tired of the random analytics and stats, but this is quite possibly the best defensive player from a rate standpoint in the entire nation coming back into next season. And I don't think that's an overreaction because his defensive BPM, which is box plus minus, is 7.1, which ranked second in the country. I think you know the two players that he's in between, but for those of you that do not, it's Walker Kessler and Chet Holmgren, both of which are seven feet tall, monster shot blockers, some of the best players in the nation. And he is six foot three, a guard that, played 33% of Tech's minutes over the course of the season. So a lot different there. And beyond that, his defensive stats, I mean, they all just stick out the page. He somehow managed to average over a steal per game despite being essentially at the bottom of Tech's rotation. He averaged half a shot block per game despite being six foot three. And just like 
everything you look at defensively looks incredible from a stat standpoint. And then you just look at the film and it all backs it up as well. I mean, one of the best on-ball defenders you're going to see on the roster has incredible off-ball instincts. Like he can do absolutely everything on the defensive end of the court. It's insane. Yeah, I mean, we got to start with the defense. It's obviously the biggest talking point when it comes to him because he is truly elite at that level. I mean, we we talk about how guys are, are good and comfortable and uh, even great at certain areas of the game. Malik Wilson is an elite defender. There is absolutely no mistake about it. I tweeted this this offseason, and whenever I found it in the play index, I just kept checking myself because I was like, no way this is right. There's no way that this is real. This year, or last season, Malik Wilson had 38 steals and 17 blocks in a season where he played under 490 minutes. That was that made him the first Division One player to do that since 2009. Okay, Malik Wilson played 490 minutes. Let's bump that up to include every single player that played at least 700 minutes in a season since 2009, and there's just one other dude. I mean, what Malik Wilson did, it, it's absolutely absurd, and the rate numbers are not a joke. They're not... Uh, small sample size, kind of overcompensating for a guy that's average on the defensive end. This is a guy with a steal in a block rate, both over 4.7. That is absolutely absurd. That means that he is essentially picking up a defensive box score stat on 10% of the possessions that he's out on the court for, which is unheard of. I mean, this is a player where, man... I, I can't help but feel like some more playing time and this guy is instantly going to be in the conversation for all Big 12 defensive, Big 12 player, defensive player of the year and get himself into some national conversations on the defensive end. Because man, the things that I just read are not a mistake and they are not done by many in college basketball. Yeah, you saw you mentioned the four point seven percent steal and four point seven percent block rate. He's one of seven players in the last fifteen years of college basketball to match those rate stats. And of those, only he's one of only four from a high major level. One's Thibel. Well, yeah. Well, actually, Thibel is in there twice, so Not it's two Thibel seasons, and Matisse Thibel. As great as he is as a defender and as good as he's been at the NBA level as well, also played in a system in Washington that was tailor-made for guys to get really high counting stats on the defensive end just because of the way they kind of implemented his own and had a lot of havoc opportunities. So Malik Wilson is doing so in a no-middle scheme, but while it is certainly an aggressive defense and Tech was among the best at forcing turnovers in general last year, it's almost unheard of for a guard in that rotation to have that level of individual success defensively. Like you're talking about a team that had so many good wing defenders and so many good defenders in general. And Mike Wilson still stood just head and shoulders ahead of them in rate stats. Like his block percentage being as high as it was and being, he had a higher block percentage than anyone outside of Daniel Bacho and Marcus Santo Silva on the team as a six, three guard. Like you just don't see that often. And you don't see that from a guy that really, like, I mean, it wasn't like he was getting consistent minutes. He was doing this really on just about every different possible role. He started the season out starting before TJ Shannon got back from 
his NCAA issues. Then he kind of was a key rotation piece before he himself got hurt and was out a month, basically. Then he came back and was out of the rotation for a bit, came back in, was part of the rotation for a little bit. And then he ended the season off kind of being right on the fringes. So, I mean, he had to just deal with so much. And despite that, I mean, those rate stats are just nuts. Like, to have a guy that had a block rate over 4.5% as a 6'3 guard in Texas Tech system, it's incredible. It speaks to his instincts, his ability to just be ridiculously quick at processing. And that's more of an off-ball defense thing, but his on-ball defense is also really good. And I feel like the stats, like, we're, we could talk about the stats for another 20 minutes and just how impressive they are. But at some point, you just have to talk about how much a guy like that helps out the team, just with his ability to be such a versatile and elite-level defender. I mean, the offense is one thing, and I certainly think that there's a lot of room for improvement on that end. But he's coming into the uh, coming into next season as arguably – the most statistically dominant defender in college basketball. And I don't think that's hyperbole. I'm going to keep talking stats. One more. I've got to get out. He was 20th in total steals in the Big 12 this year. There were seven guys on Texas Tech's roster alone that played more minutes than he did this year. I mean, we're talking about a sample of about, oh, gee, 150 scholarship players in the Big 12, something around there. Uh, 130 130 yeah math is hard um but that's that's incredible to be at that number top 20 and i mean you you play 32 games and less than 500 minutes it's unreal man he's an unreal college basketball player um i feel like we should just do like a malik wilson defensive number celebration episode because we could sit here and literally burn play index to the ground just trying to find unique performances that he's had. But I think the offensive game does deserve a little bit of attention because we can't just overlook it. I want to dig into that, but first, a quick word from BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, odds, podcasts, and reviews for all the different leagues this season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hey, if you're looking for NFL draft coverage starting Thursday, April 28th, be sure that you tune in to the Locked On NFL's draft live coverage of the 2022 draft with all three days of real-time analysis from our extensive lineup of experts and insiders. And for those of you dying to know who your team will take, catch Audacity and Locked On's NFL Mock Draft special hosted by Brian Peacock and former scout Matt Williamson of the Peacock and Williamson NFL show all week leading up to the first pick. Uh, Malik Wilson, one of the better defenders in the Big 12, probably the country as well, doesn't feel like a stretch to say. Um, but the offense needs some work. I, I, I think that that's just, there, there's no way around that. Um, I mean, you look at some of the numbers, uh, 2.5 points per game, 43% from the field, 16% from deep, shot just 2 of 12, 63% from the line, shot just 17 of 27, had 53 assists to 27 turnovers, which is pretty incredible, honestly, um, considering the way that Texas Tech just functioned as a team. And I feel like that number right there, the assist to turnover rate, is really how Malik Wilson 
gets on the basketball court uh, at a consistent rate. Uh, I talked to some people in the offseason after he announced his decision to transfer to Texas Tech, some people that had watched a lot more mid-major basketball than me, and I was like, hey, uh, this guy shot 36% from deep uh, his freshman year, and then he shoots 24% the next year. Uh, the free throw numbers are good. What's the deal here? And a lot of people are telling me, Hey, uh, I don't really buy the shot. I don't, I don't really know about that. And it looks like as of right now, that might've been good Intel because I mean, he shot two or 12 from deep, which very small sample size. And I think that there's room for that to be fleshed out a little more, but I feel like he probably did not have a green or a yellow light last year, but the assist to turnover ratio has been pretty steady throughout his collegiate career. And that's something that he's just proved that he can do so, so well. 221 career assists to 165 turnovers. The basketball IQ shows he makes plays. He reads guys open. Um, Malik Wilson has real intangible skill to be that kind of true point guard for this Texas Tech team. Yeah, it's really weird because you're talking about someone that literally made four jump shots the entire season across the 32 games and that's including mid-range shots and i mean that in itself is extremely concerning because i think that in order to be a guard that plays significant minutes you have to have some semblance of either shooting or elite level driving and the way that wilson played last year i don't think you could really say that he had or he had either because he finished at the rim okay i think that was maybe one overlooked aspect of his game certainly finished around 59% and obviously kind of dipped a little bit in big 12 play. He looks like he struggled a little bit more after he came back from his injury in the non-conference season, but certainly he has the potential to be a high level facilitator, but the offensive inconsistencies and really just the lack of shooting is what makes that difficult to project because if he's not a threat as a pull-up shooter in any capacity or as a driver to much of a level, it's going to be hard to justify having him as a primary ball handler and getting significant minutes in that capacity. I felt like that's something you saw over the course of tech season is yes, the assist to turnover looks really impressive, but when you look at how many of those assists came in non-conference play, like you look at his total assist numbers and he had seven in the first game against North Florida and the first seven games of the year, he had at least one assist in every game. In the first six games, he had at least three in all but one of those games. You take off, you take out those games, and he only reached three assists, I believe, three more times the entire rest of the season. So it's something where he, once the season got going against higher-level competition, he really didn't get many more opportunities to be a, to be sort of the lead ball handler. And assists don't tell the whole story, but the film backs that up. He was sort of playing a more of just a complimentary off-ball role for a lot of his offensive minutes. That's why his usage rate was so low in conference play. I mean, one of the lowest usages I've ever seen for a guy that was supposed to come in here and be a ball handler. Like, to be under 13% usage is pretty incredible. So I just think that the shooting is something that's going to limit him. I don't think we got to see it really in any capacity, whether it be good or bad this season, because, like I said, he only took he only made four the entire year. He only took 12 threes. It's hard to get a good sort of estimate on what the shot looked like when you only take that many. And then beyond that, I mean, even at the free throw line, like, yeah, he's a 63% free throw shooter, but on 27 attempts, 
if he makes the next three, that turns into 67%. And then suddenly you're right about at the team average. So there's a lot of movement going along with Malik Wilson's game. I think that the shooting is a must improve if he wants to have significant minutes. But even then, I think the driving and his ability to be a better driver is something that's maybe overlooked because I do think that that was his sort of inability to get a good amount of separation on drives is something that meant that if he's not able to drive effectively and not able to be a good shooter, it's hard to really justify giving him many minutes as a ball handler. And if he's not an off-ball shooter or a great cutter, then it's hard to really find any sort of role for him offensively. You look at Big 12 alone in 17 games, finished with 20 assists to 17 turnovers, which still isn't bad, but like we're we're going from about a two two assist to turnover ratio to about a one. Um, so there is a pretty dramatic increase there, still in the positives, which is good. Um, but as you mentioned, uh, those numbers do dip quite a bit. And I think part of that does have to do with the injury. I think that part of that um, like, it is just the role that he was kind of asked to adapt into. Emory, if I'm a Texas Tech fan and I'm trying to get more bullish on Malik Wilson next year offensively, why should Pop Pop Isaacs being on the roster get me excited? Because... I think that both of them have the potential to complement each other really well on the offensive end. You look at what Isaacs can struggle with. I think that he's going to have a lot to get used to with kind of the physicality and the speed of the Big 12 game. And that's not to say that he won't quite be able to do that, but he's certainly very much, he's a good on-ball creator. And I think that he takes away a lot of the stress as a real pull-up threat as a ball handler. And that's something that, like I mentioned before, like when you're, when you're a ball handler, you're going to want to have that opportunity to be a to be a pull-up threat and really have that offensive creative element to it. And then along with that, on Wilson's side of things, like he is someone that can function without the ball. We've seen him kind of be effective in that sort of low usage rate. We saw him at Louisiana kind of play a similar role to what he would be using hypothetically with Isaacs. I mean, he's someone that really, looking back in his 2021 season, didn't have a ton of usage. He had Cedric Russell there who took a ton of the shots for Louisiana. And so for him to be, to sort of be alongside a guy that's a pull-up threat that has that sort of gravity that goes with it, allows him to not have to worry about being such a ball dominant player. I think it's important. And then also, I mean, you have two facilitators or you have two guys that are natural point guards. And I know Wilson played more as a combo guard, low usage, like I mentioned, but at the same time, he kind of has that instinctive ability as a playmaker and it allows him to kind of play play more freely, doesn't have to focus on necessarily running the offense, but you can still utilize his, his creativity and playmaking. And I think that's going to be important to lean on if Isaacs is getting heavy minutes as a primary ball handler because, you know, point guards in the Big 12, it's a learning curve. And so I think both of them can really kind of lean off of each other in that sense. Both guys will be very good for each other. Um, and it's really rare that you see that at a position um, and, and just thinking, you know, how do these two guys, how are they going to play alongside each other? But these two guys will be nothing but good for each other. I wholeheartedly believe that because I don't think either of them are, are ready to be a primary point guard at the Big 12 level. That's not an indictment against either of them. Uh, playing point guard in the Big 12 as a freshman is really, really, really hard. Uh, I mean, we saw Tyrese Hunter at Iowa State who flashed some of the most incredible instincts I've seen from a true freshman point guard in the Big 12 in a long time. And he had some really rough games in the turnover department. I mean, I'm talking six plus. Um, and it's hard. It's really hard. 
and Malik Wilson just hasn't done it at a high level yet. And so I think both guys will kind of take some of the edge off of each other. And I don't see it being anything other than a mutual relationship. So I think that's one thing that you can look forward to next season. want to talk about a couple of other things that uh, maybe we can get excited about when it comes to Malik Wilson. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. All right, Malik Wilson uh, will have two years of eligibility left as a Red Raider. I think a lot of people will want to see the three-point percentage increase. As you mentioned, small sample size. I think the thing that concerns me a little bit about it is uh, his unwillingness to take them at times. Like We're talking about uh, 12 attempts over 32 games. That's like... I got to go check freshman TJ Shannon numbers because I'm pretty sure that 35. Okay. Yeah. So it's pretty, it's pretty clear that he's being told not to shoot and it may be for good reason. Uh, Do you think that's something that he'll be working on in the gym this off season? I mean, you have to think that it's going to be something that he at least works on. Now, is it something that he brings into games? That's an entirely different story, but Certainly, you can't look at a guard that only took 12 three-point attempts and someone that's had experience being a lead ball handler at a decent school in Louisiana. And suddenly going from taking, what was I think it was, he took 46 last year at UL. He ended up taking 80 his freshman year, only taking 12 his junior year. I think you have to think that that's something he's going to try to rectify. Now, the question I have, and I think that it's something that really is only going to be sort of discussed internally because you won't hear Mark Adams or Malik giving a straight answer until well after both of them are gone, is was that completely down to kind of a program decision, like sort of him only having a green light if he's wide open and under the right circumstances? Or was that a Malik Wilson thing where it was just a confidence deal? Because I watched some tape on it this year and kind of paid attention to it a, a little bit. I mean, there's bigger priorities to be completely transparent about like him not playing that many minutes. And certainly his defense was noteworthy in itself. But I will say the to me, it looks like he had opportunities to shoot. It's not like that. But at the same time, teams really didn't leave him open as much as like a freshman year, TJ Shannon, where it was painfully obvious that he was just unwilling to take that shot. I feel like my leak was more of he was constantly trying to sort of fit into the offense. There was never really a situation that I could find where his inability to take a three years unwillingness to actively stalled out the offense. It just seemed like more of a, that wasn't something he was focused on. Whenever he was in the game, he was either trying to cut inside or whenever he'd get the ball, he would instantly sort of look to create off the dribble. So I kind of leaned towards it just wasn't a focal point and so it wasn't really as much to do with my league not willing, being willing to pull the trigger. But certainly, I think any time that you have a guy that only takes 12 threes with the amount of opportunities that he had, you would have to say that has to be to some degree both. But certainly, there's something he'll be look, working on in the offseason. I don't think he's going to be complacent with just being a 16% three-point shooter on 12 attempts. And if he wants to be a ball handler at the highest level, he's going to have to improve that shot. So I think it's going to be something he's, he looks at quite extensively. In two years at Louisiana, he finished at 31.3% on 134 attempts, which is still not great, but it's a hell of a lot better than 2 of 12. Like You you take that any day. Um, man, I mean, it, it feels like all the ingredients 
stats are are here uh, for him to have a much better year, right? Like the defense is there. We we know what he's going to bring to the table defensively. Um, he can get to the basket pretty well. Um, and I think that that's only going to get better as he gets healthy. There's another thing. If he manages to stay healthy this off season and, and keeps his legs under him and uh, does some good things to that knee, really works on it, tries to strengthen it back up. Three-point shot is kind of a question mark. Um, I think getting in the gym with, with Isaacs this summer will be really, really helpful. He should be on campus like early June probably. Um, I mean, what else? What else is there for Malik Wilson to do to to turn into a a regular rotation player, let alone a starter, other than um, continue to provide some sort of value offensively and then just be who he is on the defensive end? I just really think it's going to be a comfort and a confidence thing. The ability to stay confident as a ball handler, be willing to take those shots. He doesn't need to be a knockdown three-point shooter. He just has to have some semblance of a threat from beyond the arc. I think if he can do that, then you suddenly, you have to change your tone on Malik Wilson. You suddenly go from, he's someone that on the offensive end is going to be a low, low usage complimentary guard to suddenly he can take the reins. Like, I don't think people realize just how close his game is to being an extremely valuable piece. Like if he shoots the ball at a decent clip and is willing to take pull-ups, even if it's just like one, one and a half a game, suddenly that opens up the door for him to be useful as a ball hander because now teams can't totally sag off. He's not hurting your spacing by being out there. His playmaking has proven to be good at various levels. I do have a little bit of questions. I think it's something he can work on a little bit more, but I really just think it's confidence in the shot, confidence in his own ability to be an, an aggressive offensive player. If he does that, then defensively, you know he's going to be getting minutes because he's got defensive ability that can hardly be matched by anyone in the country. If he puts up, he doesn't even have to put up stats as good as he did this year. If he puts up stats that are anywhere close to what he did and has the impact that he did this year, you're going to be talking about one of the best defensive players in the country if he's getting enough minutes. So for me, I have literally no concerns on the defense. I think as long as he's healthy, which is an if because of his knee injury this year, but as long as he's healthy, defensively it'll take care of itself it's just offensively how aggressive he is is going to dictate how many minutes he gets and what sort of role he's willing to put he's able to play on this team i'm looking at the roster right now there are a couple of guys that i'm pretty excited to see uh in a red raider uniform hopefully again uh i think malik wilson far and away has the best chance to be the most improved red raider next season i mean it it feels really rare to see a guy kind of switch from bottom of rotation to perennial starter and also a guy that is making just a profound impact on both ends of the floor for you. The recipe is there for Malik Wilson. I, I really do believe that. I really do believe that there's a very tangible way where he becomes uh, a next-level player for this program. Uh, any closing thoughts on Malik Wilson? Well, we've seen this before with that guards going from bottom of rotation to top of the rotation. It's worth noting Kyler Edwards in 2019, as much as he gets mentioned on that run for being March Kyler and all of the big shots that he did in the tournament, was a guy that was out of the rotation or getting just spot minutes for good, good amounts of that run where he would only get three or four minutes worth of run. Davide Moretti, same sort of deal in 2018 comes back with the most efficient season in Big 12 history, in my opinion, in 2019 from a shooting standpoint. 
So we've seen this before with tech guards. I think Wilson's offensive game clearly has a lot of work, but when you have a guy that's as good as he was defensively this year, both from a stat standpoint and from a from a film standpoint, it is hard to argue that he's going to be an integral part of Tech's roster next year. Because if he just has the defense, if he just repeats what he does from this year, you could still say he was a positive player and helped Tech win games. And if he improves offensively, he can be one of the most dangerous weapons you're going to have on the roster and a guy that could easily start a bunch of games next year and play a pivotal role in how Tech fin- finishes their season. All right. Well, let's hope that he has a Kyler Edwards type jump because I do think that it's possible and that would certainly make next season's team uh, quite a bit better. Thank you for tuning in to Malik Wilson's player performance review. Uh, we still have a couple of more of these to go, man. It feels crazy. It feels like we've been burning these out for a while now, but still some players on the roster that we've got to talk about and we will. So be sure that you are subscribed to our feeds, wherever you get podcasts, be sure that you are subscribed to our YouTube channel. And then you can keep with, keep up with us on Twitter. You can follow me at our main LBK. You can follow Emory at eraser41. And then to be sure that you never miss an episode, be sure that you follow the Locked On Texas Tech podcast on Twitter at Locked On TTU. Until then, thanks for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. And I'll make your second listen Locked On NFL Draft. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for joining us. and We will see you tomorrow.